from Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, 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 welcome. You have reached rated LGBT Radio, and I am your host, Rob Watson. Today we have another incredibly creative, wonderful show for you lined up. Um, last week we did um, a incredible new musician, shared some of her work. Um, as you know, we have touched on some really hotbed political issues um, in the past few weeks. And today we are taking you to the the diamond of uh, of the United States, in my opinion, because I'm such a theater lover, um, the the heart of Broadway, the New York theater scene, and the very first that I know of, anyway, um, queer COVID-19 quarantine musical. Um, the the setting of this musical is in this experience that we've all been having, and a one man's really reflective journey. Um, in his individual quarantine. Um, That musical has arrived. It is going to be streamed so we all can see it, uh, and it's uh, coming up very shortly. And today we have the the, uh, producer, um, author, creator. We have the director, and we have the very talented leading man. Um, They're all standing on deck waiting to come on, and um, I'm bubbling over with excitement to talk to them because this sounds absolutely incredible, and to top it all off, they're doing it for a very good cause, which we will be talking about as well. Um, Before that, I want to welcome to the show my esteemed colleague and co-host, the renowned journalist, Brody Levesque. Brody, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Rob, and good afternoon, good day, and good morning to all of our listeners. We deeply appreciate you tuning in and listening, whether it be on a podcast or live. Thank you very much. Today was a very solemn day, but a day filled with remembrance in Atlanta, Georgia, as former Representative John Lewis who passed away a week ago today at the age of 80, uh, was remembered in the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, whose most famous pastor, of course, was the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, Jr., who Representative Lewis had worked alongside in the civil rights movement, uh, including Bloody Sunday in 1965, uh, when he and the other, uh, Civil rights workers were beaten literally uh, to a pulp by Alabama state troopers, white supremacists, and deputy sheriffs uh, at the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. President Obama, in his eulogy, made note of some of that. Uh, And then, in a unique signature style to the president, said this, Bull Connor may be gone but today we witness police officers kneeling on next. George Wallace may be gone, but we can witness our federal government sending federal agents to use tear gas against peaceful protesters. The president paused and then reflected on the fact that the country is a constant work in progress. What gives each new generation purpose is to take up the unfinished work of the last John Lewis not only embraced that responsibility, but he made it his life's work. President Obama was joined by former Presidents Bill Clinton and George W. Bush, President Bush saying this, his lesson to all of us is that we must keep ourselves open to hearing the call of love, the call of service, and the call to sacrifice for others. President Clinton spoke rather eloquently of the former civil rights uh, leader and um, as a member or former member of the Washington Press Corps, I personally have some very fond memories of interactions with John Lewis. Uh, The congressman was an absolute force of nature, but he was probably one of the most kindest, gentlest, and good men 
that I have ever encountered in the 40-plus years that I've been a political reporter and an editor. Uh, He will be missed. And I think, as President Obama said in his eulogy, which really essentially a call to arms for everyone who believes in democracy and everyone who believes in what's right, that John's life and John's legacy is something that we should all embrace and that we should move forward with. And it's a type of legacy. It doesn't matter, as President Obama noted, and it didn't to John Lewis either, whether you're straight or LGBTQ+, what race you are, what ethnicity, what culture. We're all in this together as human beings, and it's critically important that we move forward with this. And especially looking at this election, as the president noted, uh, is so critical, especially in this time. Uh, I should note that Uh, The current occupant of the Oval Office tweeted this morning uh, against mail-in ballots and, you know, the expression of one's voting privileges. And just a few hours later at the services at the Ebenezer Baptist Church, President Obama called him out on it, but without naming him specifically, but with the implied understanding for the rest of us that this really is that kind of critical uh, of an election that the American nation needs a reset. And it needs to get past what, quite frankly, has been a horror show over the last four years uh, with with that person in the office. Um, outside of that, of course, the COVID numbers are still terrible. Actually, they're worse than terrible. We now have 22 states across the United States that are in serious, serious trouble. Uh, Dr. Fauci, again, is asking people, please, 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 wear your masks, social distance, wash your hands, and pay attention. The death toll in the United States has surpassed 152,000 Americans as of today. We need to do better. We must do better. And with that, Rob, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, I, I one one added story though. I think we need to mention Brody is uh, Herman Cain also passed away. Um, of course, uh, um, and thoughts and 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 love towards uh, uh, the loved ones and uh, uh, people around him. Uh, He's kind of a cautionary tale in a way because um, he did uh, die from COVID and um, was online heralding the uh, freedom to not wear a mask at the uh, um, um, Mount Rushmore celebration on the 4th of July. and just a reminder that this is incredibly deadly and, and a horrible disease, and it will take anybody who thinks they can get by it. Absolutely. Any thoughts, Brody? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I you know, it, it's one of the things where, as a journalist, you know, we've been watching this uh, situation develop every day. I write a basic summary for the Los Angeles Blade newspaper, uh, on COVID-related news, uh, I virtually am in every briefing that's given by California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom and California's uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Dr. Mark Galley. I'm in on press conferences with L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti. Um, and, you know, it's just it, it's just so critical. You can't emphasize enough that, you know, just that one little thing, uh, will make a difference. And and sometimes, you know, it almost feels like you get numb to these numbers. Uh, but at the same time, I still have enough of an outrage that, you know, I want to take people and just shake them and go, look, you know, this isn't about personal freedoms. This isn't about, you know, your liberties being impugned upon. This isn't about, you know, whatever it is that they claim. And, and, and trust me, there's enough Uh, as the kids on social media call them, Karens and Kens running around screaming about this. This is about just common basic courtesy and decency to your fellow human beings and maybe to your loved ones. You may not think anything above it, but grandma could die because you're an idiot. And I think at the end of the day, uh, it's it's literally a loop back uh, to that that uh, Representative John Lewis believed in. It's kind of in a really odd way that a lot of John's words, uh, even though they were directed towards, you know, the civil rights movement and equality and 
things that matter, they, they in, a, in another way actually refer to this as well. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so let's switch gears and take us to something more creative, musical, and fabulous. Um, and that, of course, we are talking about the brand new musical play, Different Stars. And um, with that, I want to I'm going to bring the whole creative team on all at once here. Um, I'm welcoming to the show the creator and producer Carl St. Lucie. Director Raquel Sion and the um, leading man of the play, James Jackson. Welcome, you guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. <laughs> you guys are all so polite. Everybody's waiting for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That, you know that news report. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's a hard to. It's yeah, a lot every day, every day, and so that's make, mm-hmm. what you guys are doing, kind of even more special because you know it's like we're sitting at home and we're dealing with this stuff, and then to have a um, New York theater production delivered to us directly is is fantastic. Um, this Thank show you. has not not just like fallen together quickly this this show has evolved over time um with a lot of work mm-hmm. carl do you want to kind of take us through its uh, evolution yeah sure um but uh first i do want to say uh you know just in the clear that uh, robin brody i'm so grateful to get to talk to you today and uh to be able to reach your listeners like um you know as you said this has been something that's been in gesta- gestation for a long time so the fact that we're uh getting to do it now with such incredible people is, is, um, is just, I'm so humbled by that. Um, but, uh, as far as the development of this show, so I moved to New York from, from Oklahoma, um, in 2010, uh, to go to the music, the graduate musical theater writing program at NYU. Um, uh, you know, I wanted to write musicals. Um, and in the midst of my, second year of the program, which is the year when um, words, people, and composers team up and write a 90-minute musical as a thesis, um, I fell in love with uh, this guy. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up in lots of conservative evangelical communities around the country. Um, so my exposure to queer people was very limited. You know, of course, I, uh, I hoarded um, underwear models from, like, the cold catalog like, like crazy. But... Um, but but this person was kind of my first really close gay friend. And so, um, you know, as I imagine happens with a lot of, of gay people in relationships, it's like we were best, best friends for like five months. And then, you know, finally it happened. Like I was spending the night as a friend and it just turned into something else. And um, And we dated for two months and it was crazy. Um, it was intense. It, I was so in love with him. Um, and I, I really felt like I had sort of escaped, you know, what I had grown up under. It was like, wow, I'm finally in the place where I want to be doing the thing I want to be. And like, I have this, this man that I'm in love with. And, um, you know, it just deteriorated so, um, so tragically over the course of like nine months. It was very dramatic. Um, and of course I was in the middle of writing a 90 minute musical. Um, so I was also very busy. Um, but I just had, I, I was so hurt by this and I, I, I truly was just like, Oh, if, if only he understood how I feel like this could be a different situation. So I wrote and I wrote and I wrote, um, it was really like a song a day at one point when I would just go into, um, NYU, like have my lab and then just go to a practice room and like cry and like write a song. <laughs> um, and so I did get the thesis musical done um, somehow. And, you know, I finished NYU with this thesis musical class, which I wrote with my friend, uh, Maria Alexandria Beach, um, who is in Santa Monica right now. Hi, Alex. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I ended up writing over 40 songs around that time. And, you know, it, it moved very quickly from, trying to communicate to him uh, to 
me uh, essentially like in a dialogue with myself because, um, you know, he thought that me writing songs about it was silly, that I was making it frivolous. Um, and so that really, that really inspired me to be like, you know what, like, I need to, I need to figure out where I stand in this and how I'm going to move through this. And um, these songs were just, I, I mean, I didn't really have any vision for anything beyond, you know, recording them in a practice room at NYU, throwing them up on YouTube and sending them to him. Like that was really like, he was my intended audience. Um, and so, but, you know, after, I don't, I, I mean, I'm sure that every artist has different experiences, but like a few, a few years went by really, you know, where I just had all these songs and it was like, wow, like, um, and, oh, and, and that, that, uh, that breakup, like, um, I, I developed some pretty severe, like alcohol addiction issues. Mm. I was very broke. I was, I was snorting a lot of cocaine. Um, it just was a bad scene. Um, and so for me, there was a long time when I looked at these songs and it was sort of like, they were just a reminder of like how dark that period of my life was. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, um, so as far as actual development though, I will say, um, yeah, I wrote them just purely for therapy in 2012. Um, you know, my, my dear friend, James Olmsted, who's a, a wonderful music director here in New York, um, was going to help me with a production of this, but it was, it was scheduled right at the end of, um, you know, the beginning of November that year. And of course, Hurricane Sandy happened. Um, you know, uh, let's see. In 2013, I, I developed it at Glow Lyric Theater. My very good friends, Jenna and Christian, um, run this excellent uh, light opera company in South Carolina. And they had a, um, they had just started the company and um, they had like a little grant for, for young artists. So they were like, oh, what if we put you as a composer in residence? And we did... Um, you know, a little workshop of this and we can do like text analysis with them, you know? So I did that in 2013. And that was, that was kind of the moment where I realized that, Oh, like this is, this show isn't just for me anymore. Um, and at this point, like there was no story. It was just the songs. I really always thought of this as a, as like a 20 song song cycle. Um, uh, so I basically just had four actors and they each did five songs each. And there were, you know, ensemble numbers and everything. Right. But after, after my, uh, and I realize this might be a very long uh, response to your question, but essentially after <laughs> one of our, uh, uh, after one of uh, my performances of that, the woman who was playing Mary Magdalene in Jesus Christ Superstar just like found me um, out in the lobby of the theater, just like mascara streaming down her face. And she was like, you read my journal, didn't you? So I was like, okay. So like, killing. So this is killing me softly with his song. Exactly. (laughs) Right, right. So, so to to wrap it up, essentially, um, between then and now, I've 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 largely like worked on these as as solo songs that I've just performed out as like standalone numbers. Um, I I don't I don't I'd always had a vision of of making this a theatrical piece, Um, and in fact that's. Uh, we were kind of going to do a recital here in New York in March. And then of course, um, quarantine (laughs) happened and, you know, we made the difficult decision to postpone it. Um, You know, this is before everything was closed down. It literally like, Raquel, what was it like? Our our show was was... like nine days away when when the quarantine hit. Oh my God. And so when it got closed down, well. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, Raquel and I met a bunch and we're like, okay, um, we definitely want to do this piece. We have a great cast lined up. You know, I have a, a, my dear friend, Zach, who's a composer, but also an excellent audio engineer and guitarist. I was like, I have the staff I need. I've been live streaming a bunch. Like, you know, I basically had to bootstrap a, a live stream producer career um, in quarantine. And I was like, why don't we, like, we definitely can't do it live. Like, live virtual theater is not a thing. Um, but maybe what we could do is just, you know, produce this like a, like a film. We'll put some sort of narrative on it um, and we'll just do it online. And so, you know, the more we talked about it, like, and you know, this was a period of time too, where I was like, how does my art address this moment that we're in? You know, is, you know, I've had a lot of crises of faith with regard to like 
right. my own career. And so, you know, Raquel and I sat down and, and um, I played through all the songs with her um, over Zoom and wept a bunch. And <laughs> the conclusion the conclusion we came to was like, okay, well, like, what if we set this in quarantine, um, uh, you know, make James the main character? Because, like, I, I'm really not an actor, you know. And um, the fact is, they're like, you know, these songs are all from my perspective. And so the thought of like starring in my own show that's about me <laughs> right. and is written, it, it just isn't very interesting to me. Um, as someone who true, like, like um, I enjoy singing. I love singing. Uh, but I, but for me, it's really so much about writing the thing and then letting it go. Um, so anyway, uh, long story short, um, we, you know, James was on board. So we were like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it with James, well, no, the protagonist. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that that that's fabulous. No, actually, I was gonna I was gonna kind of steal it away from you for a second because I, yeah, I think you've set up a really interesting dynamic there, and I'm gonna say figuratively on stage, even though you know the medium is is very creative around this. But James, so essentially, you're playing, if not Carl directly, Carl's heart on in this in this um, production. <laughs> oh, that's beautifully challenge? <laughs> Yeah, what is the challenge of doing that right there in front of them? Um, I think well, right there in front of them. I mean, it's, it's right there in front of the webcam. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I think if the words you're singing are truthful, and the story you're telling is just the truth, you can relate. So you go with that instead of going with trying to imitate, like, what, what would Carl do here? And right. then I try to, try to mimic that rather than right. um, what does this mean and what would someone feel going through this? Um, and if it's a truthful piece and truthful music and truthful story wouldn't match up, that's kind of the game of really, I guess, all theater, even when we are face-to-face. Um, so it was finding that I didn't want to do what someone else does. And that's really a balancing act of like, okay, let me put a little bit of what James, how would James respond? But I'm singing Carl's music. And right. um, this is an experience that Carl went through. So it's trying to find this middle ground, this kind of volleying back and forth and having it always just be a truthful experience and not put on if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. In fact, I think it makes it very exciting. I mean, I think I come from yeah. a theatrical background and I think part of the thing for me about theater itself is that, that it isn't a solo creative um, journey that uh-huh. you, you take, you know, you take from the writer who's written his mm-hmm. heart and soul out on, on paper. You take an actor whose instrument is his own, experience or her own experience and um you know you you're going through that filter um of emotion that is comes from them emoting through the creative words of the writer and then you have the director who orchestrates it all and makes it all weave together into Mm. and i think anyone who's a theater yeah i think anyone who's a theater person kind of that's the stuff you enjoy is like that. Right. It's very like, hey, ki- hey, kids, let's put on a show. Like that, legitimately is a feeling. <laughs> that's that's uh, uh, something we all can relate to. So what's weird is doing it kind of alone in your apartment into thin air, and right. hoping right. hoping you think up. That's what's kind of an additional. It could be a huge fear, or some sort of huge like just clusterfuck. But it's it's really. <laughs> This it's it's the game. Like I hope this matches up. I hope I'm just gonna go for the truth. Just gonna go for the truth. I have no idea what anyone else was doing in their webcam, no. but we're we're right. singing together. We're working together, and I wow. that's so terrifying and so cool at the same time. Well, I, I just want no, to jump in and say that that James, your work on this has been incredible so far. Just for, just for the record, everyone has been. Yeah, that is Thank true. You. That is true. Thank you very much. Beautiful. I have no idea. <laughs> it's a yeah, no thing idea. to well, be 
I'm literally, what's so cool, you, they, they, we were all sent green screens and we're just performing to music that's only playing in my head. So I'm just I'm videotaping myself singing a cappella in front of a green screen and uh, emoting and acting and trying to get to the truth of a moment and hoping that that's the thing that works. Yeah. So it's, it's really yeah. utterly terrifying and so cool at the same time. And I think that's why it, anyone it sounds, does anything. You should be absolutely yeah, terrified sounds, and you should be having, having the time of your life. <laughs> it sounds very much like the process of doing animation. Um, oh, doing an, animation is, mm. is that kind of solo creative thing that gets put together afterwards. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so James, you, you have, you're kind of getting a track record, correct me if I'm wrong, of being uh, like the creator of, of roles. I mean, the last production you were in, which won a Pulitzer Prize, you were the create, you were the first of that, that role in that production as well. Um, is that, is that a good thing or is there a challenge to that? Um, I think it's something I, I enjoy doing. Cause I, again, I don't, I, Sometimes I think there's an inclination to to mimic someone or, oh, that's that's what is supposed to happen here, so let me see how I fit into that, as opposed to what do you bring to the table. That's a really cool thing to be asked to go somewhere and do what you do. But it's really difficult, I think, for a lot of actors to accept that. I think we're asked... You know that thing when you go into an audition and you sing your thing or you read your monologue and they're like, do you have anything else? Just like show us something that kind of shows just, I want to see your personality more. That's actually terrifying to a lot of performers. That's because it's like, right. what, what do you mean? You, I, I, I didn't come in here to be myself. Um, yeah, nobody, so you nobody can kind of forget that. Fabulously. Yeah. Right, right. But like there's 8 million Hamlets out there. So you like, you know what you're supposed to do. So it's kind of, it's very nice to be asked to do something that's the first time it's ever been done. Um, it's, it's an honor. It's, that's a special thing. So don't mess it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no. And, and it's a special, it's a special pedigree that, that you have and you're bringing to the, the table. Mm. And by the way, uh, just to let you know, um, I have not forgotten that you got banned by Christy Alley, and we will be asking you about that later. <laughs> but just, uh, just nice. so you know, that's still that's still on the table. Um, Raquel, yeah. I want to ask you. So, so you had this. You or you have this big challenge. How how is this um, method of bringing this production forth different from your other directing experience? And what is it like for you? to take people's real heart story in front of them mm-hmm. again and making it uh, alive. Um, again, I'm going to echo uh, James in that it's very challenging and it is the thing of let's put it still up in the barn, but instead it's, let's all make a movie by ourselves and then cobble it together. (laughs) I mean, it is so very strange not being able to be in the room Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with the cast. And um, James, I think I've met you once, but I don't. I don't yeah, even like, remember because it was after like, Strange Blue. Oh, it was a judge where I was just it like, was, "You were incredible." Oh, never mind. Um, oh, that's a trip. <laughs> I, yeah, and I had never met uh, the other two actors, Danielle and Victoria, and Carl and I have worked very closely together for a while, but um, yeah. So there are all these, all the all the kinetic messages you get Mm -hmm. from people, from working together, from being in the same room, from seeing how, you know, you might suggest something and how their body reacts to it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we're all right now kind of these talking heads (laughs) on Zoom calls, um, 
it's just very odd, and it's brand new for me. I've directed theater, and I've directed theater that has film components and video components within it, but um, never done something like this. And and God love this cast when I storyboarded the <laughs> the show like a like a five year old drawing storyboards and we had to go through it like oh yeah that stick figure and that arrow means this <laughs> and then and since we're in New York and everyone's apartments are differing sizes and mm-hmm. the lighting is different and the so there are all these variables that we just have mm-hmm. to lean into. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I keep saying, like, well, we have to kind of make these restrictions our aesthetic mm-hmm. instead <laughs> of our obstacles. Like, mm-hmm. how to lean into them without um, really bucking up against them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the part, I mean, putting it together, it's, it's very, it is challenging and it's exciting. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's no, where we're yeah, at. No, and that, dealing with yeah, the no, hard stuff, I feel like the performers are so capable and so skilled that that emotional mm. journey, I'm not even worried about. <laughs> not even. Yeah. Because they they are so present and so willing to jump in. Um, I, Carl's going to laugh at this, but there's um, an amazing Bowie quote. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Bowie obsessed. Um, it says, always go, always go a little further into the water than you're and you feel you're capable of being in a little bit out of your depth. And when you don't feel that your feet are quite touching the bottom, you're just about in the right place to do something exciting. So we're, we're in, we're in that water. And, (laughs) you know, thank God I like floating around in water, but um, yeah, it's deep. (laughs) It's deep. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, Carl, Carol. I need to ask you, okay, so I've, I've already asked James about playing you, and I've saved actually what I think is the most fascinating part of your casting to last, which is you are actually playing the part of your ex. Yeah. Nice. And, yeah. That, I mean, um, yeah, that, that is well, incredibly and, uh, unique. What is that like? Um, okay. Uh, this is a great question. <laughs> I mean, uh, I would say the first, the first thing I, I think that's important to remember is this concept is very new to me. Like, you know, um, it, it has always, I mean, listen, writing these songs, of course, I, I tried to write songs from his perspective. I tried to understand where he was coming from, but those words just were not there at the time. You know, I just, I couldn't empathize with where he was. I just had no idea right. what his side of that was like. And, um, and, but, you know, uh, I would say the first thing was that I already had a cast together. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm paying these performers pennies um, um, and they're saints for doing it. Um, but uh, but part of it too was just like I I don't know if I can afford another actor and also I mean uh, I'm a countertenor and a baritone um, so in many of the different incarnations of this the role that's kind of me has been someone who who has just like a really big range um, and so uh, that's one of the reasons why I've just cast myself a lot of the time because you know I know other countertenors in New York. Um, but none that do this kind of work, you know, they're all like, um, they're all early music specialists. And there's, there's some elements of that in this piece, but, um, 
but for the most part, like this is a very eclectic piece. So I need performers that have a wide range, but, but um, getting to the heart of your question, um, uh, Raquel will, uh, Raquel will, will uh, attest to this. I have not actually sat down and recorded any parts as Renault yet. Um, but this is what I will the say. The cobbler has no shoes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Um, right, right, right. Well, I'm also, I'm also uh, doing all of the video editing, all of the arranging um, for this. So, you Carl know, is wearing speaking. many, many hats. Oh, absolutely. So, 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 and at the end of the day, like the thing that's the most important to me here um, is, is making sure that these actors look good and sound good and, and that the incredible work that they've done um, comes through. So, um, but also, I, I mean, I low-key have been avoiding uh, acting this part too. Although what I will say, um, as I think about the role and kind of my approach to it, I think the thing I would say um, is that, you know, if, in retrospect, his, his experience is probably not at all that different than mine, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things that's so scary about intimacy and about um, when relationships end because all of a sudden it's two people in the midst of, like, a really profound grief that they can't share with each other. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, I, I mean, it's kind, of a, it's kind of an accident, but I think it's kind of a happy accident that, the same words that I wrote from me to him, um, I also think works the other way around. Um, because the, the truth is, that. yeah. So I, I think that um, I'm 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 humbled to play his part. Um, I, I mean, I'm very different from him, and James is very different from me. So really, um, the the saving grace of this is that these two characters in this presentation are are very different from uh, from their real-life counterparts. So in a way, I'm kind of having to do the work of being like, okay, um, as someone who's not an actor but has, has taken, like, two acting classes, um, <laughs> uh, you know, how do, I, how do I make the distinction where it's like I, I actually have to think about who Reno, this character in this piece is, and not, right. you know, that X. And so... That's, that, that is one thing that um, makes me feel less weird about it, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, no, no. Do you, I'm, think, I'm, do you, I'm think, you, to... do you think you personally are going to have kind of more insights in your own personal life because you're – I mean, this sounds like uh, something that uh, a therapist might put you through um, to mm. give you further <laughs> insights in your own personal life. Right. Do you think you will have that oh. effect for you? Well, I mean, well, I think, I think, I think the fact that this is possible is owed to the fact that I've done a great deal of therapy, you know? So, um, of course it'll be therapeutic, but also like, I've, I've, I feel like I've had a lot of clarity around this relationship for a while now. Um, Mm. you know, the truth of the matter is we were just both very mentally ill and like not getting the proper treatment for our mental illness. And it really just does come down to that. Um, and so that's kind of why um, that's kind of why it's called different stars at the end of the day, because I think while at the time my main question was like, what did I do wrong? You know, what did I break that I can't fix now? And now the question is like, you know, what would have been different if like our circumstances had just been different, you know, like poetically, right. like what if, mm-hmm. what if we were under different stars, you know? And so I think, I think that for me, I, I would say that the, maybe the therapeutic element that I'm leaning into the most is like this knowledge that like, yeah, at the end of the day, like some relationships like are, they, they, they start and begin only because of certain circumstances and there's nothing you can really do about it. And everyone has that experience and it's hard because we don't, we just don't see a lot of, we don't see a lot of those narratives in popular culture, you know? Um, and so I guess that's one thing that I'm, that I'm hoping to bring is like something that not only deals with the quarantine um, and, you know, as, as terrible as it is, the, the kind of unique gift it's giving us of time at home alone, you know, to really sit with ourselves. Um, I think that 
um, oh man, I lost my train of thought, but I was talking about, um, <laughs> oh, I think, I think that, I think that I, you know, um, uh, not that not that we need to be people who are kissing the boots of the people who are oppressing us at all. Um, right. I, I, right. I personally have no sympathy for Herman Cain, to be honest. Um, but, <laughs> but, 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 but it's as far as like us as a as the LGBTQIA plus community, and you know, and as a lot like we're in a moment kind of where a lot of marginalized communities are sort sort of developing coalitions. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a hard, hard leftist, and um, I get into trouble sometimes on, on social media um, because I, I am not skilled at um, – there, there, there are a number of rhetorical things that I'm just not skilled at. But I, I think the thing that I'm trying to get to is to say that as we're in this moment where we're having to form new sort of coalitions and new ways of being together to get through this hellhole we're in, um, I think if we can start to remember that, like, the traumas that we have are not unique, you know, mm-hmm. and that um, we have an opportunity to sort of encounter that shared trauma together, um, right. I think that that's important. Does that make sense? Am I just – am I No, just it, no it, it makes point. total sense. It does. I, and I, yeah. I, think, I think you guys are – I think you're being very courageous. I mean, how you guys are producing this. And the fact, you know, Carl, you're you're doing what Ernest Hemingway said about writing is that, you know, writing is easy. All you do is sit at a typewriter and bleed. And um, <laughs> I think that, you know, that that yeah. that's you know, you're you're being courageous in, in doing that. I want Brody to be able to get in here because I'm sure he's got a question for you guys. And I'm taking up everything myself, which I tend to do. Um, Brody, did you have anything you wanted to ask? Well, I was, you know, and listening very quietly on the sideline uh, as a political reporter, since this is definitely not my lane, um, a couple of observations. Um, First of all, it sounds like uh, both the Emmy and Tony Award people are going to have to dream up new categories for what you all are doing. Um, (laughs) That would be fantastic. (laughs) Just saying. I I think that... uh, they both need to consider that. You know, I was listening to this. I was listening to James and, and Carl in particular. Um, in 2012, I was so deeply honored uh, to be invited uh, to the premiere in San Diego of uh, the play and musical Allegiance, which, of course, was based uh-huh. on the life of George Takei. And uh, right. it was George and his husband, Brad, and a few others uh, were deeply involved with that. And, you know, as you know, George had a part in the play as well. But I, I just thought it was very, very interesting that sometimes some of the best efforts always come from a deeply personal place. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, you know, a, a person who's just steeped in the cultures and the ways of Broadway and the motion picture and television industry. But it's the guy that sits in the front row with the popcorn and the Coke. I know what I like. And yeah. I nice. think that what I and see that's part of your is, process. Well, it is, and I, I think it's the other part of it too. Is it's just that, um, you know, there's a lot of I found this as a journalist, you know, a collective grouping of untold stories. But if we find one, you know, it's it's we're covering a lot of ground with just that one story. Mm-hmm. So that by what you you know are doing and and putting out there. You know, in in no small way, you know, there's a young person out there, LGBTQ plus, right. uh, who may be having a tough time. Um, you know, we we had uh, a guest on who was one of the seven winners up of American Idol this last year, Louis Knight, and Louis had lost his best friend to suicide uh, because of oh, mental mm-hmm. health, and, you know, challenges. So I'm I'm very much keenly aware of how important talking about you know, these issues are and and how important it is. And I think that being able to put it to song, lyrics, music, Raquel to be able to put it, you know, basically to film without the film as you were uh, in a stream, mm-hmm. you know, that's you know, critically important. And, and I applaud, 
uh, you all for that. And, and James, I'm not leaving you out of the mix. I think that I have enough friends who are actors. Um, I'm always in awe and appreciation of what you guys do um, because I just know, I know how difficult it is, you know, to pull the cloak of a personality that's not you <laughs> or meant to be close to you around you and very tightly and have it make sense. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I don't really have a question. I just needed to well, take so <laughs> I, I'll I, it back I, I, Yeah, I actually well, do I, have a question based on, on what you were saying, Brody, because uh, uh, Brody mentioned kind of the, the uh, youthful minds out there mm-hmm. and the impressions mm-hmm. that these things make. And um, more than that, you are actually benefiting a group called Chords. Q-O-R-D-S, which is a musical-centered summer camp for LGBTQ youth uh, with a special focus on queer and transgender youth of color living in the American South. Um, Tell us about that. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I I would say that, you know, we're, we're in a moment where monetizing this kind of art is is really tricky there's not really a great way to monetize it um i think that live streaming presents a really 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 great opportunity to bring attention to causes especially in this moment so you know when when jose and bill uh my my pressers um were talking to me about this i was like you know there are a number of like very high profile organizations that i think you know um whose missions I believe in, but they, they, they came across this and sent it my way. And I looked at it and I was like, you know, actually like that really is kind of at the heart of this, you know, like so much, so much of the drama in this show that I lived through could have been avoided if I had had some sort of experience like that, like, like, like a summer camp for LGBTQ kids. You know, I, I mean, I went to church camp and shit, you know, um, so <laughs> a little different. Me, Right, right. Well, I mean, and when I saw their, I saw their video, like they have like a, a sizzle reel for it, and I was just so touched. Like, um, one of the really cool things about it is like, the kids, you know, can change their pronouns at any time. Like, they can grab a new name tag at any time and change, you know, the pronouns they want to use. Like, you know, it would have been, it would have been, a life changing experience for me. So when I when I heard about them and I thought about like what is, um, you know, what is really at the core of, of the ethic of this piece, I was like, oh, it's absolutely that, you know. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. No, Beautiful. that's great. Um, by the way, I have uh, one of the songs from the show, I'm Your Underwood. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys okay if I play um, some of that right now? Yeah, that'd be absolutely. great. Would you like some okay. uh, Would you like some context? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, this, 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 <laughs> no, one, Carl. this one does this one does this this one does take a little bit of um of of uh context um so so you know my ex and i uh he had two best friends lauren and olympia um who were, who were a lesbian couple that lived in astoria their their names are not fictionalized by the way um uh <laughs> which maybe i shouldn't have said out loud but anyway um, uh, it's, out so, there now. it's out there now i was going to say um, it's out there now there we go um, it's okay. They don't keep tabs on me. But anyway, uh, Lauren and Olympia were um, his best friends, and they had this story they would tell. It, it was like, um, so so basically, there was one Christmas. You know, Lauren always wanted to like learn to play the piano. You know, and uh, Olympia is a writer, and so one Christmas, um, Olympia bought Lauren a key, like an electronic keyboard. And Lauren bought Olympia an Underwood typewriter. And um, they never, ever, ever used them, either of them. And I was like, oh, this is like <laughs> a complete reversal of that O. Henry story. You know what I mean? The, the <laughs> gift of the Magi. Um, right, totally. So, like, so in this piece, um, the, one of the things we're trying to do um, dramaturgically is sort of use Lauren and Olymp- like the specters of Lauren and Olympia as a sort of comment on James's relationship with Reno. Um, so we, in this scene, we cut to Olympia's apartment where it's snowing. It's like October and she's like, you know, really like unsatisfied in this relationship, you know, um, 
just, you know, just having a rough time and her typewriter basically comes alive and sings to her. And that's what this song is, is the, is the one we're talking to Olympia. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Here's I'm your underworld, underworld, Underwood from Different Star. <laughs> yes. Your boxes of paint and an empty white canvas. I too sit by, watching the premature snowflakes and Halloween candy. The hours pass. I see a tableau take shape. Three cups of cocoa. Late October. Oh, Olympia. I okay. love that. I love that song. That's so cool. I'm, <laughs> and I'm sitting I, here I looking at my computer. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here looking at my computer, which I have not written articles on for like a year and a half, and sitting here going, okay, you shut up. <laughs> I know you're relating to this. <laughs> um, that, oh, that if was, I can. Oh, yeah, sorry, go, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I wanted to I wanted to mention too that 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 video is in the style of of what we're doing for for different stars, but that video was actually produced for um, an event called Chamber Quarantine, and that was put on by Chamber Queer. Um, Chamber Queer is also my production partner for this um, for this production. So I'd, if I could, I'd just love to talk a little bit about who they are. Um, we also sure, need to give Victoria a shout out. Oh yes, and I'm, I'm well, so sorry. Yes. 
Go ahead. Yeah, we are down to our last five minutes. So, yeah, go for it. Great. Great. I got you. Um, Victoria Houston Ellen was the performer on that. She's fantastic. She plays Olympia in the show. Um, as far as Chamber Queer goes, Chamber Queer is an LGBTQ chamber music series based in Brooklyn, New York. Its mission is to program queer artists and composers, highlight historically underrepresented queer figures in classical music, and provide an inclusive and intersectional space in classical music for artists and audience alike. And I'm really grateful for their partnership on this. Fantastic. Um, so, guys, like I mentioned, we're down to our last few minutes here. Um, so, first, I've got to ask. James, how did you get banned from Christy Alley's Twitter site? During the election, I heard that she was first a Trump supporter, um, and that was one thing that shook me. And then I heard that she was sitting up and responding to people on Twitter who were coming for her. Um, so if someone posted something negatively about Trump, she would kind of jump in and start like bickering with them. And I was like, Christy Alley's not doing that. And as it turns out, Christy Alley was doing that. So <laughs> I started coming for her. And I, I, basically, I tried to get the hashtag Parker Stevens was right. To <gasps> <off>. <laughs> and then Good the next job. thing I knew, Yay. I got blocked. Yay. But I'm learning there's also a small group of people who like that happens to over the years. I just I saw an interview somewhere with Billy Eichner recently and he was talking about, oh my god, I just got blocked by Kirstie Alley. So apparently this is a thing. (laughs) So you have a group. You have a group. Your people. Your people. (laughs) Yeah, I found my people. (laughs) So guys, we we have the last three minutes. What have we not asked that we should have asked? Um, wow. Well, I can, I can, I can tell you that, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question in just a second. I will say that the event is going to stream on differentstars.live um, on August 15th at 7 p.m. EDT. That would be 4 p.m. Pacific. Um, and any other questions? Um, no, I guess I, if I could just say, like, I, I've really been – um, humbled by the work that everyone's doing here. I mean, it's really fantastic to, you know, do something that at one point was like really not valued by a lot of people. And then to have these people really step in and do it. You know, I, I remember when we were early in the rehearsal process, they were asking me character questions and Raquel was like, how should I direct this? And I was like, honestly, like I just trust their instincts. So to <laughs> see that they're, that they're trusting their instincts and jumping in and, and yeah. committing is really a lot. It, it's really uh, amazing to me. Yeah, it's very brave and it's very fun. I mean, I can't wait yeah. for our blooper reel because part <laughs> part of the self filming stuff, of some of the favorite things of mine are, are like, yeah, I have this, the and the camera falls over, or the performer right. makes this face like, is that right? Or just trying to find the right setup. It's just. Um, yeah, it just it just speaks to the fact that we need to create and that even though we're all apart, we are creating together and mm-hmm. um and that's powerful. That's, yeah. That is powerful. And and we got to make that the last word. Thank you guys so much for being on with us today. Yeah, um, thanks I for am having so us. So excited. Thank you. For, for it was this. a joy. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and I want everybody to um log in on um, the 15th and um, take part in this and, and enjoy it. Um, it just sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, I want to thank Brody for his work as always. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you so much. And please remind your friends and family that they can subscribe to us on any podcast application, on any cell phone, iTunes, download us, subscribe to us. Uh, We welcome you each week and look to bring you the most exciting possible programming we possibly can. Uh, We will be here again next week, same place, and uh, we look forward to talking to you then. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. With 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.